Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us again today for the session Mornings with Marek. Um, obviously, today we're going to be talking about how to leverage your team's strengths. Um, and really, at the end of the day, how do you evaluate them? How do you assess them? And then how do you actually put people in the right seat? So thank you for joining us. I'm excited to get this done. Of course, these programs get recorded. So if you need to go back and check them later, you're welcome to do that as well. So thanks. Here we go. Um, so before I get started, I do want to comment that we are just about to launch a conference in October um, called the, the Agency Management Forum, and it's all around how-tos in the agency management space. So we're going to have a blend of speakers, agents helping out, all various types of places. We'll have roundtables so folks can share ideas with each other, and registration should be available, I think, by the end of today. Um, or tomorrow at the, at the longest um, case scenario. So just to give you a quick recap of what's happening, it will be a Sunday arrival. We're going to do some sessions on culture um, of high performers, driving growth and profitability into your organization, ton, round tables and a reception, and then you can see there's tracks on Monday. One is about HR, hiring, recruiting, retaining, um, employee productivity, compensation. Another one is all about operations and efficiencies and financial performance and technology. Another group is about marketing your agency and how to make sure you leverage tools and resources available. And finally, there's a whole area around markets. So if you're interested in coming, watch for that registration. We can send a link out later today or you can send me a note. Um, but we look forward to seeing you all there. Um, registration will be $165, so we're keeping the price really low. It'll be in San Marcos October 16th and 17th. So um, thanks for letting me do a call out on that before we get going. And in preparation for that, at the next session that we're going to have, we'll be inter introducing our new operations assessment that any one of you can take um, that will provide you some feedback on maybe areas of focus for your agency and then what resources are available for you from us. So a little bit of a self-service resource. We'll go through that and actually go through the exercise in September. So hopefully you can join us and be part of that. So great. Today what we're going to be talking about, or I guess last month when we were together, we went through the book, First Break All the Rules, and the concept around what great managers do. And, and last month we talked about this area, defining outcomes, focusing on strengths. And then what we also did was talk about and a mid-year review. So if you weren't able to watch that, if you're interested in some conversation tips, some meeting agendas and things like that for your staff, either individually in a group, um, that last session will go through that, and that, that's on the webpage with Mornings with Mara. You can refer to some of the older stuff. But today what we're going to do is focus more on this focusing on strengths and developing someone, helping them find the right fit, not just simply moving them up the ladder. And we work in small businesses. There's not a whole lot of ladders that I don't think we have. So how do you really allow somebody to grow and develop and give them the opportunity to be talented at what they do, great at what they do, and so forth? And so I'll provide a little bit today of what we do with a lot of agencies. Um, we're going to ask you to chat in a few items and make sure that uh, – if you've got some ideas, we can share them with the group because there's a million tools out there. And I think the key really is figuring out what tools work for you and then leverage them on a regular basis. So some of you have seen some of these slides before from a standpoint of if you've been part of Colby workshops or anything like that. This will be a refresher for others of you. This might be 
a little bit newer, and I hope you can walk away with something specific that you can do with your teams. Um, a, from a professional development standpoint, a motivational element, and also to continue to hone in on what people really bring to the table. So the, the first thing that I'll talk about is a manager's responsibility is to really help that employee steer towards where their greatest chance of success is. So when one of the things that I'm always paying attention to is if somebody's failing at something, and maybe not failing but struggling, I want to know if it, what the problem is. So today I'm going to talk about the three different parts of the mind and make sure that when we're trying to evaluate what's working well or not, that we're actually sitting in the right place, identifying what that challenge is and those issues, um, and not just assuming it's a competence issue or an attitude issue, which gets a little complicated, but we can certainly help you think through that, okay? Um, our job is to look closely at talents needed for each role and be really good at clarifying it. So I think one of the things I've heard people say before is it's actually easier to describe failure than it is excellence. So when we're hiring or we're, we're putting people in different positions, taking the time to be really thoughtful and clarifying, what do I specifically need in this job? And so let, let's use, for instance, uh, CSR. You probably want somebody who's fairly empathetic naturally. Uh, and what I, we know is that if you're not wired to be empathetic, we may be able to give you tips and tools and comments and phrases to use to sound empathetic. But we know when we get somebody who's really wired to be gentle and empathetic, that, that's just who they are, and they're amazing at it. So when you're thinking about jobs, we're going to ask you to start thinking not just about what the job does, but the type of characteristics you need from somebody, and then are you able to go identify them and, and measure them and, and actually be able to uh, assess them and make sure that you get the right chance, the best fit in that role when you're putting people at it. And then always I recall, you know, from us, we want to make sure we measure and reward what we are looking for from people, because when we do, they'll, they'll excel at it even more. So one of the things that people will ask is, how do I know what's my strengths or, or, or what someone else's strengths are? And what I really like is just some of these simple questions, even if you didn't have a tool to test it, is, and, and the word thrill is purposeful. So it's almost like when I look at this job, am I thrilled with it? What, what, what parts of the job thrill me um, and so forth? And then you usually can find that you're hooking into something that is a core talent and piece that you have. Um, another thing may be looking at rapid learning. So if there's something that you've gravitated towards and you're suddenly like just can't get enough, you probably have tapped into a natural talent and strength. Now we always say if it's a core talent, you can put um, you can put knowledge and knowledge on top of it and skill. It will actually become a strength. So being able to sort of figure out those foundational things that thrill you, that you gravitate towards, that you learn quickly, that you're good at. Um, and then that will get you to the place that says, does, can I, does this role bring me strength and satisfaction? So those are some questions you might ask yourself about your own current job. It's questions you could ask your staff. Um, what do they feel their strengths are that they get to use? Are there strengths that they have they're not able to use in their job right now and they wish they could do more of? So this really is a process of learning and I was telling Matt before we got started today, this is one of those presentations I wish desperately I could just see all of your faces and we could talk to each other. It's a little awkward doing it one way, um, but thanks for bearing with us as we go through it. 
So the, as I mentioned a little bit ago, one of the things we want to be really careful of is understand that there are actually three parts to the mind and the assessments and tests that we have for them are quite different. So let me walk through them. And, and I know this is complicated to a certain degree when you think about it's hard enough managing one person and now I tell you you have to multiply it by three characteristic three parts. Um, it starts to get pretty pretty complex. But one part of the mind that we're looking at is cognitive. So does somebody have the knowledge and skills to do the job? Do they have the aptitude? Do they have the IQ? Do they have the logic and reasoning to do the job? Um, and problems that you would see in the workplace that are cognitive in nature are, I don't know how to do that. I've never seen that before. I may not know what markets are available. I may not know a carrier's appetite. I may not know how to use the computer system. Those would be cognitive skills. And usually, assuming somebody has the aptitude to do it, if you, ta if you do time on the job, mentoring, education, and so forth, usually somebody will achieve that cognitive skill. Um, if they don't have the aptitude, that's a different question. They're a comment and a solution from that standpoint. But cognitive, and when we look at a resume, that's usually the cognitive stuff. What's my education? What designations do I have? What licenses? What certifications? What experience? And a lot of times when we're hiring, we look at that resume, and then we go over to the right side, which is sort of that affective element, which is the cultural fit. And, and a lot of times we'll hire based on those two things. So I want to today cover the, the, the holistic approach to, to hiring. So the cognitive piece um, is on the left. On the right, we have the affective piece. You'll never use these words again, so sorry. That's just what they are. Um, but the, the feeling piece, right? So, so that's where, what are my values? What are your values? Am I introverted? Am I extroverted? I'm going to go through in a minute a whole bunch of personality profiles that are out there, and I know many of you use them. Um, but this is where your personality resides. It, it begins with what am I motivated by or demotivated by? Am I ethical? Um, am I glasses half full or glasses half empty type of person? That's that whole piece. And problems that you would see in the workplace would be somebody who's not motivated or prejudices or um, my values don't align with the organization's values or or you bother me because you're annoying kind of thing. And so a lot of times that takes sort of one of those time to work together. Do we respect each other? Can we get through it? Of course, if you have ethical issues, moral issues, lying, stealing, cheating, that would be a problem. And we're probably not, we'll liberate people to go on and do something somewhere else. Um, but there is that coaching thing. Can we work together just because we might have a little bit of a personality conflict, but that takes a lot of time and energy. So sometimes we'll have somebody who might have a bad attitude, but I want to figure out where the attitude issue is coming from, and I'll walk you through that here in just a little bit. All right, so, the, so when we're hiring, a lot of times we look at the resume, we think they've got the skill set, we like them, and we hire them. Sometimes it works great, sometimes it doesn't work great, and it's usually because of this third part of the mind that we need to be testing for which if anybody's worked with me knows that this is what the Colby assessment is, and I'm going to cover that today for those of you who have not done that before. But this is where we do things. This is how I go about it. What will I do? What won't I do, given the freedom to be myself? We can all work against our grains if we need to, but we don't do it very long, and it can be exhausting. And if I work against my grain too long, I actually can show up with a really bad attitude. 
So, um, cause I'm exhausted and I'm burnt out. So what we want to do is make sure that not only is the job a good fit from a cognitive standpoint and a, and a, a feeling standpoint, but also a natural behavior standpoint. It actually energizes me versus exhausting me. And so what I find that the problem is in the workplace that is conative in nature is mental exhaustion and burnout. We all have parts of our jobs that burn us out. The goal is that not very much of your job may burn you out. And, and I'll use an example. If I'm somebody who's highly organized, I'm a checklist person, I like to keep my head down and get the work done, every time I get interrupted, and if I get interrupted constantly throughout the day, it will actually mentally exhaust you and put you through a ton of work. So it's amazing to me that, for instance, we'll have service staff that our job, we expect them to be very detailed, very organized, drive things to closure, and then we put them in a scenario where they're constantly being bombarded and interrupted throughout the day, and we don't give them that sort of quiet time to say, you know what, we give you permission to just sit still and knock it out. And sometimes we'll see it as, well, they have a bad attitude, they're not willing to answer the phones, but in reality, it's actually a gift you're giving them by giving them time to put their head down and get that re-energized checklist of items through and get that done. So let's talk about this. And if any of you have read Good to Great, you know, of course, we talk about this hedgehog concept and that any organization um, should be focused on what, what am I most passionate about? What can I be the best in the world at? And at the same time, how does it um, feed my economic engine? So I'm going to lay this over for individuals, right? So when I'm looking at leveraging people's strengths, I want to say, what can you be best in the world at? And that would be the cognitive element of things. What are you most passionate about that we can help you put that? For instance, if I'm really service-oriented and I love to talk to people, but then I put you in a process job and you don't get to interact, I've, let, I've taken away the greatest talents you have. So listening to and paying attention to those things are really key. But then the third component is not only are you good at it, not only are you passionate at it, but you're also energized by it. When those three come together, you actually have the capacity to do an enormous amount of productivity and results overall. I was reading a book once and I really liked the concept that they said is let's say that you're really good technically at something and you, you want to do it. I mean, it's important for the organization and people count on you for it, but it's an absolute mental exhaustion to do it you could end up what we call in an excellence trap. You're so, and so that's one thing that I pay attention to with, to a staff is, you know, you may be very technically good at it, but is it something that thrills you or is it something that you just are competent at? And I want to make sure that we don't end up with people in this sort of excellence trap where they're doing stuff that they're very good at. And nowadays more than ever, I think we're really dealing with the conversations around making sure our employees are engaged, happy, um, feeling like they're valued, and, and I think this equation solves 95% of it. If, if people are in the right seats, energized with what they're doing every day, and of course valued. So when we think about the creative process for actually taking action, which is what we're wanting our staff to do in ourselves every day, it really begins first of all with motivation. So am I interested? Am I motivated? Do I even care about this? And then are my natural instincts will kick in. And if I have the freedom to be myself and I know what I'm doing, that's where this little stop sign kicks in. 
and I jump into action, that's when you actually see the creative process work. So with Colby, for instance, the comment that I'll make is, is that based on having your result, you're extremely predictable about how you will problem solve and approach things. So if I have somebody who's very detail-oriented and suddenly they're not looking at any details and they're sloppy, I'm going to want to walk back through this creative process, remember the three parts of the mind, and say, you should be doing it this way because you're naturally wired that way. So is it a, a knowledge piece, like you don't know what to do, you don't know how to approach it, so it's a cognitive problem, or is it you don't care about this initiative and therefore you're not giving of your time and talents to it? So I want to work back through it, or am I not giving you the freedom to be yourself and I'm forcing you to do a different route? I know it sounds a little bit overstated, but the, the point is, is that if you know someone's core talents and they're not behaving that way, our job is to figure out as managers what's broken down along the way and see if we can't fix that. So personality assessments, and I'd love if you guys can chat in the, the um, chat feature. Um, there's all sorts of them, and you know, going through it, the couple of them that we have used, and I'll, I'll talk about the ones we've used the most, um, but, you know, we see the Enneagram test out there, which I think is really kind of cool. You see Omnia, Caliper, down there on the bottom left, you've got um, Myers-Briggs. Um, they've got that whole extrovert, introvert, all of those pieces. Culture Index is kind of a fun one that some people use and so forth. Um, the one in the middle here is actually the Gallup Finder, Clifton Finder. It's one we use in our process for evaluating our team members and putting them together. Um, many of you are familiar with DISC, so that's one as well. And uh, then, of course, the more recent one that I've gotten involved with is the Why Institute, which is the Why, How, What assessment, which really kind of drives to, and I'm going to share that here in a second, it drives to the guts of what your why is. Like, what's your purpose? Why, why do you exist? Um, what's really key for you? Um, that, that really proves forward. So I'm going to cover that in a second. So I don't know if we've gotten any chats in, Matt, on what people have done, but if you, many of you might have your own. I've heard of Shadow Match. Um, there's a million of them out there. If you like it and you trust it, then use it. And then what I always say is trust the process. I will say um, that this is an assessment. These assessments probably can be rigged. I mean, if somebody really wants to be a nice, sweet, wonderful person and they're kind of a crab, um, they could probably prevent, convince you that there's something else. So like anything, there's a little bit of, um, you know, you hope people will go through the process honestly so you can put them in a position of strength in what they do. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the why assessment. So the whyinstitute.com, you can get the assessment there. You can email us and we can help you get to it as well. Um, but basically what it's trying to do is wire down um, the getting down into um, the whys. And this is sort of the core purpose. And I, the top left one is actually what mine is, um, which is a drive to contribute and make a difference. And I thought it was extremely helpful for me to learn about that because what it helps me figure out is if I'm working with someone and I can't make a difference, I can feel myself check out. Or if somebody asks me to help them and they really don't want to change, then it's real easy for me to realize this is not going to be a good fit overall. Um, I always get in trouble with my staff about, well, why'd you sign up for that? And I say, I just can't help myself. My uh, assistant, I guess, got me these uh, 
these napkins that says stop me before I volunteer again. So I you know, can't help myself sometimes. It's kind of a pain in the neck. Um, trust, when I have an employee whose why is trusted, it helps me understand that they actually, before they can do anything else, they have to have a relationship with each other and me. That's the core piece. And when they say I'm going to do it, they will do it. And if somebody says they'll do it and don't do it, it's an enormous breach of trust for them. So understanding sort of the guts of what's driving their behavior can be really helpful. I've got um, an employee who makes sense as their why, and she's like a dog with a bone. I mean, if it doesn't make sense, she's just going to – and if you have employees or staff, it just doesn't make sense. That's what they say all the time. They're just driven to get to the core of figuring out what that is. Um, another one is better way. So some people are constantly looking for a better way to do things. Um, and right way is let's get this right and then let's keep it that way. There's one way to do it. So I always say it's fun. My husband is better way. My son is right way. The people think that right way people hate most is somebody telling them to do it a better way. <laughs> so that's always a fun little conversation. We did that over changing a tire, I think, a couple years ago that I wish I had a videotape of. Some people's why is challenge, which is constantly push the envelope, constantly challenge the status quo and understand that that's what they're wired to do. Some people are mastery. I want to be an expert at it. That's what drives what I do. Other people, it's about communication and clarifying things. And if you're around one of those, they're kind of constantly looking for, did everybody understand what was just said? Do I need to repeat it? Do I need to clarify it? And then simplify is let's keep it as simple as possible. So they're always driving things down to a level of simplicity. So I love this one because it actually gives us a layer of what's driving people before I even see them do work. I know what they need, and it helps us understand what we can provide them and how they're going to work. Um, so think about trust. If you're, you have a service of a producer whose why is trust, they're going to gravitate towards clients and prospects that they can build a relationship with first before they move forward, okay, versus a better way producer who's going to go in and just be driven to talk to the client about a better way of doing things. So just kind of watching for that might be interesting and helpful for you as well. And, and the way that the process works is actually there's sort of nine whys, and then they put them in an order, and your top three become this is why I do it, this is how I go about it, and this is what I deliver. So, for instance, for mine, my why is contribute. I want to make a difference. How I go about that is challenging things and challenging the status quo. And what I try and do is bring simplicity, or and sometimes it's even a better way of doing things. So that's the combo. And I think when, when our team members have done it and we understand it, it really helps you have a better idea of what makes people tick, when they're going to be frustrated, and when they're really going to thrill to the certain project that they're on and the initiative that they're working towards. So kind of just going back to the three parts of the mind, we've kind of hit the passionate about things. Um, I'm going to get into energize here in a minute, but what can I be best in the world? That to me, when we're assessing people, you know, there's the Wonderlick test. I don't love that one, but it does have a logic and reasoning. Um, there's a predictive index out there. But my favorite thing to do to test people, whether they're on staff and they want a different job, or want to change roles, or if I'm hiring somebody, is to actually give them a practical assessment. So what could that look like? That could look like, let's say I'm going to hire an account manager, and I'm, I'm planning to hire a competent account manager, not somebody who I'm going to have day one need to train them for six months, 
what I might actually do is dummy up a, a court app, put information on there. When they're in the office doing the, the interview, I might hand it to them and say, you've got a half an hour. I'd like you to go through this Accord app and write down exactly what your strategy would be. How are you going to process it? What markets are you going to look at? What are the concerns and risks that pop out at you? If that's what you expect for the job, this is a great way to prevent those, um, what do they call professional interviewers, they're so good at interviewing and you're like, how did that happen when I really thought that we were going to be in a position that this person said they knew what they were going to do? There's also tests. We have them on our website. Big Eye National has them where you can actually give them a test in person that goes through their knowledge on personal lines or commercial lines. So I think it's important to not just take people at their word. Oh, I know that but actually test them or maybe put together very specific questions that would say that if you, if you were starting, could you do this? And how would, what would be your logic and reasoning on that? So we've talked about passion and, and personality and fit and so forth. Um, and understanding that we're going to get into strengths finders in a little bit, just showing you some examples of if I understand how you're wired, for instance, let's say you're a um, harmony well, I know this is a person who's going to try not to create much drama. They don't like conflict. Um, in, a, in some jobs, that's great. In a sales job, maybe that's not great because I need them to be able to create a little bit of angst and rift there. So we'll show some examples as we go through that process. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Colby for just a few minutes. Um, many of you are familiar with it, but I think it's it doesn't hurt probably to rehash it. Um, when we use Colby for organizations, it actually helps with that individual's productivity. It helps us align talent with the right roles. Um, one thing I love about the Colby process is you can actually create a, a result that says, this is what I'm hiring for. It's called a Colby C. And then when you're hiring, you can actually look at people's results and see, does it align closely to what my expectations are? Because there's nothing worse than hiring somebody, let's say, you hire someone who's not detail-oriented, but they need to be. If you are in any situation where you constantly think, gee, I wish they would just, I can almost guarantee you that their Colby's not wired to be that, and they never will. They can try. They can work through it. I'm not a detailed person. I can assure you when I go work with a detailed person, they always ask me more questions than I ever considered, and they probably wonder how I even get my job done. But my job doesn't require a ton of detail. It requires me to be thinking outside the box and promoting and doing new things and expanding and building relationships. Um, so it's not necessarily a talent that's, that's required very often in my role. Sometimes it does, and I'm happy to do it. It also helps with the chemistry on the team. So you know, how do I really work on a team collectively and leverage everybody's strengths? Um, because you don't want everyone to look alike. You absolutely want them to look different, but then there will be conflict. So how do I create communication and understanding among the team members. So Colby A, um, what it is, it's really about your natural behavior. So one of the things that might happen is you might take your Colby result and it may say, for instance, you're not detail-oriented and you might say, but I can be. Of course you can be. That's the cognitive part. But given the freedom to be yourself naturally, you just wouldn't. And I'll give you an example. If you get an email from somebody that's paragraph on paragraph and paragraph deep and you would prefer to skim it or it's even overwhelming to look at it, you're probably not a fact finder. If you 
appreciate all the detail and are energized by it, you probably are. So we'll go through a few little examples for you here. So we refer to it as your MO. Um, we always think about it from a position of strength. So I would never look at somebody's Colby and say, well, based on your Colby, you won't do this or can't do that because that's not the point. The point is, as a manager, if I understand your strengths, how do I get in the best situation to allow you to be talented at what you do every single day and continue to refine those roles in such a way that they become more and more productive and more and more energized? And I think it's important to know, too, um, that Colby's actually been studied and it's universal and unbiased. So you don't find one race looks one way, men look one way, women look another. It really is equal out there. Um, you might find a group of people that look the same because they've attracted each other or in this industry, we tend to find a lot of detail-oriented people because that's what we do. Um, but there's plenty of non-detail-oriented people out there, too, that are equivalent in that mix. So it's key to understand, and so this is one of the things, as much as I talk about Colby, I always want to remind you there are those three parts of the mind. So it's still not going to tell me how smart you are or what your skill set is. So it, can't, it won't tell me what you can or can't do. Um, and it won't tell me what your personality and social style is. It's interesting. I'm going to actually show you uh, an example here in a few minutes about a producer, two producers, almost identical Colby's, but their personalities were wildly different. And even though on paper, the Colby A would have looked like this would be a great salesperson, one was an enormous success and one really struggled with it and ended up in a different role because they're not wired personality-wise to make that fit. So it's really important that that combo get looked at overall. So when you're looking at Colby, it actually goes through four different modes. Um, if you haven't done it and you're interested in it, please send us a note. We'd love to help you learn what your Colby is. Um, we'll do, obviously, other programs around this, but it basically talks about how you gather information, how you organize things, how you deal with risk, and whether you are a builder or a demonstrator overall. And so the scores come in a scale of 1 to 10. I always state 1 is not better than 10, 10 is not better than 1. There's no value associated. But what it will do is tell you next sort of what the characteristics are based on someone's result. So as I mentioned earlier, if you can get really good at clarifying what do I need in this job, and you can do an assessment that tells you I need this person to be a quick start and drive change or create a sense of urgency or promote or take risk, or I need this person to be highly organized and checklist and drive things to closure and quality control, those two people are going to look very different. And what's fascinating to me is that you can't just decide because someone's an extrovert, they're a quick start. Because I know plenty of quick starts that aren't extroverts, and I know plenty of um, extroverts that are actually very detail-oriented. So you can't blend the two overall, but do you understand what you're looking for and how to assess for it at the end of the day? So fact finder, that's the easy one. The higher the score is, the more drive you are for levels of granularity um, and detail orientation and so forth, okay? Follow through, the higher you are, the more consistent you are in the way that you approach things. In fact, if you're familiar with Clifton Strengths, the one line item that seems to fit consistently is consistency. I think on disk, you can see consistency will follow along with follow through. Um, just a reminder that follow through is not about getting things done. We all get stuff done. It's just, am I going to do it in a highly organized, finish one thing, start the next? Or would I be much more energized by having a diverse of things going on, 
which is me, I'd rather bounce from here to here, pivoting all over the place, if, instead of more at sit still, <laughs> get this done, and then start the next thing, where I have other folks that that's exactly how they would operate. So do you know what you need in these jobs and what's expected? And that's what I think is the really cool thing about some of these resources is it focus, it forces you to get really clear about what you need in a role. Um, and there is an assessment that result that can come back, actually, that this happened to um, a client of ours that works at an agency in HR, and she did a Colby B, which is what is my job expectations, and, and her boss did one, and basically it came back with, I expect you to be all things to all people. Well, that's probably not realistic, um, and it's not sustainable. So how do you organize it and create some strategy that helps them understand where they should be spending their time and energy? Quick start is your drive for change and innovation. If you're uh, the lower score, you're driving for stability. It's like, let's stabilize the situation. Let's lock it down. Let's get rid of all the risk. Um, so we need both continuums. And then the last one, implementer, is I always say if you're a four or higher in this, you're more of the person that says, can you show me what that looks like versus tell me, which is really powerful because if you understand show me, when even you're training somebody, you, instead of telling them about it or asking them to read about it, they'd rather see it demonstrated and interact with it. And, and so the, the power of understanding how people approach things and how do I energize you through training processes, through, through um, the way that you work every day, the environment that I create for you can actually make an enormous difference in allowing people to use their strengths and be put in a position um, that's really successful long-term. So I'm not going to go through all of these, but basically you'll end up in each one of the categories, an area that would be your piece. So for instance, for me, I would be explain five in FactFinder. I'm an adapter. I innovate and I envision. So I have somebody else on my team and my accounting team, and he's specify, systemize, stabilize, restore. That's what we need from that position. So it, we have we have various needs, and the fact is we want to make sure that we understand what that looks like. So here's an example of a Colby result. This is one of my accounting people. Very detailed, very organized. Drive things to closure, and then make sure that um, we can also um, have envisioned it, and we have a good way of checking things out. Okay, so that's what this looks like, and then you'll get a result that says, oh, by the way. This is what this person would naturally do. Research things in depth, assess probabilities, um, create the plan, coordinate needs. Now, I would say if this was what the job was and I was reading it, I'd be like, yuck, <laughs> I don't want to do that job. But there are people that that's an amazing thing that they want to do. This would be somebody, and imagine if you were writing a job description and you could use this language to say this job requires that you bring focus and closure and organize information and materials and design sequential systems, the people who aren't wired for it won't apply. They'll say, that was way too exhausting to think about being in that time. So really powerful from a standpoint of setting expectations, clarifying, and leveraging people from a standpoint of what their talents are. So you may be sitting there going, well, where would I sit in this space? I mean, you may very quickly say that's what I am, but I'm going to walk you through a pro You could do this as a renewal process or a new business process, a project that you have. And, and a lot of times we'll take a team and say, you're all going to do it together. And I like to say, actually, we need different talents at different times through a process. So let's say it's a renewal that you've got with a client. 
the producer probably at the beginning is going to want to brainstorm with the service person on, well, what are we going to do with this, right? So that's why I have the green up there, the quick start. Like, what do we need to do with this? What are our ideas? And then together, they're looking at it from a standpoint of due diligence. What information do we need to gather? That's the fact finder. And you get to a point in the beginning of a renewal or the beginning of a new business opportunity where you sort of make a strategic decision about what are we going to do moving forward, okay? Now, there are some people, and I'm going to be a bit, um, cat. I'm going to generalize a little bit, but very oftentimes, if you're, you're a quick start producer, once you've made the strategic decision about what you're going to, and then we start to finish the detailed due diligence, and we start to lay out the plan and work those checklists, usually the producer is going to get exhausted at this point, and they'd probably prefer to stay out of it. Other producers might actually be real detail-oriented and say, I want to stay in it longer. So let's so understanding where people want to hand off, the process could be the same, but the handoff points could look a little bit different. Um, and so what happens is then the team takes it and starts to really drill in the details. They're working all the items. They're following up on everything. And then you start to actually lay it all out and build it. And at the very end, you bring back in the producer to check it. And what the producer will do if it's a quick start will immediately find what's missing. And so I always say, <laughs> I always feel bad for the CSR who thinks it's done, hands it to the producer, and they're like, oh, I'm now brilliant in the 11th hour. Did we try this? Can we try that? What about this? But quick starts, energy comes at the end. The magic happens. Their ideas happen that way. So even in a team synergy, knowing, hey, you're the person who's going to help us stabilize and lock it down, the value, though, and I refer to it as quality control, quick starts will actually pop into it and say, but did we think about this? Did something get missing and so forth? And so the combo is really powerful, but you don't want the quick starts to have it too long or you could start all over again. So when, when I lay out that process, you may be thinking right now, oh, I'm actually more energized at the beginning and at the end, or I'm actually more energized with building it and actually implementing it. And so that will actually help you hone in on where do I fit in a process and where do I actually have my strengths and your strengths then can be energizing if you use them in the right space. So just a different way of looking at projects and processes that we have overall. So we actually have several different Colby's. The Colby A is who I am. Um, the Colby B is what is my job, and the Colby C is I'm actually evaluating a job to be hired. So we use them all the time because I don't want to guess if the job is right for you. So I'll give you an example. Somebody right now is trying to hire a marketing person. They, said, they looked at a Colby and said, do you think this would be a good marketing person? I'm like, I don't know. What do you need for the job? Do a Colby C on the position, and then we can look at that A and say, we can make two decisions. A, it's a great fit, awesome, or it's not a good fit, but you love this person, so can you change the expectations of the job so you don't burn, their, burn her out um, and allow for um, some bartering of talents around the room and get some support here or there? So just because you don't fit doesn't mean you can't adjust. But once we know this stuff, the, the goal would be that somebody's Colby A matches the C, which is what I expect, and their Colby A matches their B, which is what I expect of myself. So that's kind of the order of it. I know it's a ton, and actually I'm going to talk about where you can find some more resources, but I think it's important to understand the combo effect. So here's employee A. 
Up at the top is this Colby A, um, detail organized drive to closure. We had him test to tell us what he see, saw his job as, almost identical, which is fantastic. It means he's using his talents the way that he had. And if I did a Colby C on this, I know it would be exactly what he has because I expect him to be super organized, detailed, drive things to closure, double check things before they go out. So that's a good fit. And then the middle words are his Clifton strengths. So this is through Gallup, my.gallup.com. You can do this assessment there. You can holler at us and we can help you. But it's telling me that his themes are he's analytical, he's a learner. Ooh, I love this one. He's a maximizer, so he want to make things better. He's also harmony, so he wants people to get along, and he's very deliberate in what he does. And then his why is right way. Well, in an accounting finance position, that's beautiful for me at the end of the day. And so understanding the combo really makes sense. So I'm going to give you an example here of this producer that is a quick start, which is for this is an entrepreneurial MO. I did his cold. The two people with almost identical scores here on the left, 6293. Promote, grow, take risks, don't need a ton of information, can pivot quickly, um, and they're not building anything. So three implementers, great. They can envision what they're doing. The first producer at the top there he lined up on his strengths finders as competitive, an achiever, strategic, a learner, and significance. He is actually a rock star producer right now because we know how to feed him and we know how to get his competitive juices going, and he is an achiever. I've got to get stuff done. The second producer, you can see harmony. I'll do what you need me to do, adaptability. I want to include everyone, real positive about stuff and real strong belief system. Not probably too surprising to you that the sale wasn't the exciting part to him. He liked the, the, the variation of items and thinking creatively, he actually ended up resigning after about six months and going to work at a, church, a youth camp for kids, which is probably the perfect job for him. But understanding the combo effect of this, that just because this is a quick start doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna make a great producer. We want to look at that underlying item and understand what that is. Meanwhile, we've got somebody who's a high-level service person, very checklist-oriented, quality control. That's what Colby's going to tell me. The top one um, employee, activator, that's an agitate things to get things done, an achiever, focus, learner, command. Command is I need to be in control. So you can imagine that this person, not a whole lot of relational stuff going on with clients and her peers, where the other person was, let's all get along. I'm responsible for what I'm doing. Developer is, I see the best in people and potential, and we're all connected. Just a lovely person. Even though they both had the same Colby's, how they approach their team and their environment, totally different. So again, the combo effect is really key. And so I encourage you as you're testing to figure out what your models are, choose them, and then stick with them and trust them. It's always fun to go back and look at situations that didn't work and see, well, what was going on? And almost always you're like, oh, it did say that. I didn't think about it. I thought we could get around it. And here we are six months to a year going on. So don't forget, we've got the three parts of the mind um, when we're working on things. And so we want to test for all three with our current team to make sure they're in the right roles and with new positions so you have the best chance of taking someone and saying, this is what you can be best at the world, best in the world at, this is something that you love to do, 
and it energizes you at the end of the day. So a lot of what I just went through is in our hiring guide on our webpage. So if you want to go there, it's IIT, go to agency operations under human resources, and we'll actually cover when you're starting to fill out a position, what are the steps you should look at, what tools should you look at, what questions should you ask yourself, and what I'll encourage you to do is get really, really good at clarifying not just the what the job is, but how you need it approached so you have the best chance of putting people in the right position and leveraging the strengths that they bring to the table. All right. So that's what we were going to cover today. Thank you for your time on that. We are just wanted to let you know if you do have a new producer, we have a new producer development program kicking off in October um, for a couple weeks here in the Austin area, and it is going to be a very action-packed, deep training. Um, we haven't done this for a few years, and we've revamped it. So if you're interested, let us know and give us a shout on that. And with that, um, I am going to thank you all for being here this morning and hope you have a wonderful month. Hopefully the weather starts to cool off a little bit. So when we visit next time, we're not in the hundreds, but maybe high 80s. That would be fantastic. Have a great day, you guys. Um, thanks for joining me today. And this will be available later on if you want to catch it on the website.